Welcome to Hypnotic History, the podcast about 20th century life in the United States. I'm Ashley. I'm Wendy. And I'm Logan. And today we're talking about Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock was of a certain time. Uh, and so all of us remember Schoolhouse Rock, but I'm not sure that people older than us have watched a lot of the videos or people younger than us. I don't know if it spread that far. So before we talk about it any further, I want to briefly define what it is. It is an Emmy Award winning series of three minute educational videos set to music that initially aired on ABC between Saturday morning cartoons from 1973 to 1985. And after that, uh, ended up being on tapes that got shown in schools a lot. The original categories of videos were Grammar Rock, Multiplication Rock, Science Rock, and America Rock, which is sometimes called History Rock. Grammar Rock described parts of speech. Multiplication Rock focused on the multiplication tables for specific numbers. Science Rock described the human body, energy sources, and outer space. They just really went everywhere, the Science Rock. And America Rock described not only American history, um, but also aspects of the government and was created to come out at the same time as Bicentennial Celebrations in 1976, which is why History Rock doesn't exactly fit because they do some history, but it's also the government. So America Rock is the actual name. Uh, So what memories do you all have of Schoolhouse Rock? So I don't remember watching it in school but my younger elementary years are hard to remember. Because, are you repressing something? Well, that was when I started losing my hearing. And oh. so, like, I had to read the teacher's lips. And so, watching something on the television, they would bring in that television. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, this is pointless for me today. Because Aww. there was nothing there that I could, that you know, that was for me. Yeah. So, whatever they brought in, I couldn't hear it. And so I could just watch what was on the screen. But I don't remember Schoolhouse Rock. I do remember watching cartoons in the morning and it coming on and me being like, not today, Satan. I'm not going to get educated. <laughs> um, I just wanted to watch my Tom and Jerry or my Looney Tunes. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't interested in. How dare you try to sneak something worthwhile <laughs> yeah. in between my cartoons. That's my, I know what you're up to. That's my get up and get a snack or go to the bathroom time. <laughs> I'm not going to watch this nonsense. But now I have watched them. And I, I see the value. Mm-hmm. They're valuable. And a, a lot of our, our kids at school have seen them. I guess they're watching them in the elementary. That surprises me. But on the other hand, maybe not. Because there's probably teachers who have been teaching for like 40 years. And they're like, I always show Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not stopping now. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Conjunction Junction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a couple of the uh, I'm Just a Bill but I really struggled to remember watching the entire segments. Mm-hmm. Like the, the clips you showed me while you were researching this, I don't remember seeing at all. I think I showed you what I would consider some deep dives, uh, things that people didn't watch as much. Conjunction Junction was, I think, one of the more popular ones mm-hmm. that people know about. Three is a Magic Number was one of the first oh, yeah. Schoolhouse Rock songs, and it was pretty popular. I remember, I don't remember when or how I watched them. It must have been in school, but I the ones I remember are all grammar rock. So it must have been um, 
an English teacher that was playing them. I like how none of us, we all have really hazy memories. Like we all know of this thing, but we can't remember where it came from. Yeah. <laughs> like it's some mystical thing. Yeah. <laughs> this weird conspiracy to brainwash children. Yeah. You're not educating me. No yeah. <laughs> Take your cartoons away. Schoolhouse Rock uh, is the brainchild of advertising executives. There you go. It was thought up by David B. McCall, who was president of McCaffrey and McCall Advertising. He noticed while on vacation with his family that his son was struggling with multiplication tables, but could recite every Rolling Stones song. (laughs) (laughs) So when he returned to work, he asked a jingle writer to create a phonograph record of educational songs. But according uh, to the Schoolhouse Rock official guide, quote, the result was not at all what David had in mind, something halfway between the sacrament and sweetness of the singing lady and brill cream a little dabble do ya <laughs> so is uh, i take that to mean that it was sort of hokey and old-fashioned yeah not like uh the rolling stones <laughs> right Looking for a different songwriter, McCall found Bob Doro, who was a jazz pianist and a composer who had already taken boring subjects and transformed them into catchy tunes like Do Not Remove This Tag and Love, Webster's Definition. <laughs> Logan, have you heard of those? I have you're not. you're the music guy. I have not. We're going to have to look them up, I guess. The first song that Doro came back with was Three is a Magic Number. So that's probably one of the most popular songs, um, and it was the first one that was written. Hmm. Since David McCall was on the board of New York's Bank Street College of Education, he was able to have them test out this song in a few districts where they performed well. The Bank Street College of Education would go on to become a sounding board throughout Schoolhouse Rock's history. So whenever they wanted to test out new things, they would send it there first to get feedback. Because the lyrics of the song were so visual, the ad agency's art director, Tom Yowie, believed that they'd be great videos. When Radford Stone, the account executive for ABC Television Network, saw the storyboards for Three is a Magic Number, he suggested that they pitch the idea to ABC, who was looking for enriching children's programming. Around this time, a group called Action for Children's Television was advocating for television to improve its programming for children. So sorry, Wendy. (laughs) That's why you didn't just get your, uh, I don't know educationally desolate cartoons yeah (laughs) it was because of the action for children's television michael eisner who was then working as an executive of abc um, but whose name you might associate with disney because he was uh at one time the ceo of disney Mm -hmm. uh he was working at abc at the time and he said they were a real problem for the three networks, which were doing massive commercialization of children's programming, violent programming, Saturday morning programming. And I walked into this situation and actually had to go to Washington to testify to the FCC. Wow. Which would be weird because it's like, I make cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do I have to be interrogated by the government? <laughs> Schoolhouse Rock was, therefore, pitched to Eisner, who was at that time the vice president for children's programming. Eisner brought along the renowned animator Chuck Jones, who, among many accomplishments, worked on Roadrunner and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. As soon as the song was over, Eisner asked Jones, what do you think? To which Jones replied, buy it. (laughs) Despite its catchy educational messages, you can't please everyone, though. Uh, Most people really love Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, It was uh, nominated for several Emmys, but one critic at the time criticized the show, saying, 
Puppets would have been better. They have believable character, real world motion, and three dimensions. (laughs) Who was this? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem, though. They really nailed it on the head. At the start, everyone working on Schoolhouse Rock still had a day job, many of them at the advertising agency. So much of what we have today as Schoolhouse Rock was done sort of as a side hustle. Hmm. Um, People were using their spare time to put it together. Bob Doro began his work by composing a host of songs for what would become Multiplication Rock. So that was the first group of songs put out and created. Tom Yoey created the storyboards for each song's animation. Many of the other animators, and I'm going to give a lot of names here um, because I don't necessarily recognize all the names, but I have come to understand that some of these people were important and worked on other things, so you might recognize it from somewhere else. Many of the other animators, including George Kanata, Bob Eggers, Paul Fram, Lou Gifford, Paul Kim, Phil Kimmelman, Bill Peckman, Arnold Roth, and Jack Sidebotham had backgrounds in advertising. It's no surprise, then, that Schoolhouse Rock shared characteristics of advertising. When you watch it, it's very vivid, it's very artistic, and, most of all, it's very concise, just like an ad. Makes sense. One of the cartoonists was Rowland Wilson, who also drew cartoons for The New Yorker, by the way. So, if you think, well, this reminds me of The New Yorker. Which is something I've never thought while watching. It's it's much more coherent than a New Yorker cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The copy department secretary and eventual copywriter Lynn Ahrens was also asked to work on Schoolhouse Rock. Um, She was first asked to work on the song The Preamble after George Newell heard her playing her guitar during downtime at work. She ended up composing uh, 15 other songs for Schoolhouse Rock and eventually became a Broadway composer. Hmm. Interesting. Another copywriter, Kathy Mandry, helped compose Rufus Xavier's Sarsaparilla, and Tom Yoey himself composed Suffering Till Suffrage. Bob Doro's friend, Dave Frischberg, composed I'm Just a Bill. So <laughs> they were just pulling people together from all sides, like, you're just a person I know, or you're the secretary, but I know you play guitar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you're one of our copywriters, so you're probably good with words. Yeah. You know, it was this side hustle that they were all doing and just pulling in people to try this and that uh, and seeing what sticks. Meanwhile, vocalists were pulled together by Doro, who recruited artists like Jack Sheldon, Blossom Deary, Grady Tate, Steve Gilmore, Bill Goodwin, Dick Hyman, Hubert Laws, Zoot Sims, Stuart Scharf, Ben Tucker, and Bernard Purdy. Blossom Deary, who sings uh, Figure Eight, also sang for the Calvin Klein Eternity commercial. Mm -hmm. And Jack Sheldon was the former trumpet player for Merv Griffin. Wow. Me, and I think it's another situation where uh, Doro was pulling together people that he just happened to know, you know, so he ran it. He was a jazz musician and he ran in musical circles. So anybody that he could get to do it. Uh, little FYI, you said Bernard Purdy, mm-hmm. a legendary drummer. Okay. Uh, you don't recognize the name, but he played for Steely Dan a bunch. Uh, he sort of originated this groove called the Purdy Shuffle, which if anybody's ever heard the uh, tune Roseanne by... Aftoto, mm-hmm. uh, that drum shuffle, he, he, he sort of created that. Okay. See, now I'm glad I read all the names out because I thought, I don't know who most of these people are, but somebody will. Yeah. So I'm glad I read them out. How about uh, Terry Morrill or Morell? 
Have I you heard nothing. of that person? No. Uh, this was a jazz singer. Oh. Um, and they recorded vocals for Conjunction Junction on a whim while visiting the studio. They were just already there. And it's like, hey, you want to give this a shot? And that's what they ended up using wow. for Conjunction Junction. Yeah. Uh, Schoolhouse Rock premiered on the weekend of January 6th and 7th in 1973. The videos aired were My Hero Zero, Elementary My Dear, Three is a Magic Number, and The Four-Legged Zoo. Everyone, well, not everyone, but a group of people who worked on Schoolhouse Rock gathered for a premiere party at the home of Schoolhouse Rock co-creator George Newell, which is so cute. Yes. Schoolhouse Rock grew beyond its original slate of math, grammar, civics, and science lessons, though. Although I have to say of the original four topics, um, I'm most familiar with Grammar Rock, but I, and that might be part of this, but I think Grammar Rock is the best. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Every one of those songs is super catchy, but in the other areas, it's really hit and miss. Well, Mm -hmm. plus it's more simplistic things, like to just like conjunctions or... Mm -hmm. Uh, is there? I can't remember what the other. One. I just remember that. It's one. all parts of speech. Yeah, it's all parts of speech. So that's easier to get across. Yeah. It's not like you know. Go ahead, con- con- condense the process for making a bill become a law. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and if you look at multiplication rock, I went back and watched all of those, and they're not just helping you memorize the multiplication tables. They get kind of heady in the ideas behind it. For example. Um, these aren't the exact numbers, but it's uh, the idea is something like, well, if you wanted to multiply 7 times 12, you could just multiply 7 times 10 plus 7 times 2. That'd be 70 plus 14, which is 84. I think that that is a little complex for like yeah. an elementary schooler. Yeah. It's a little much. But good for them for jumping into, you know, the nature of the numbers, mm-hmm. right? So the real heart of the numbers, getting yes. back to the basics. <laughs> yeah, not, not just memorization. The spirit right. of numbers. Yes. <laughs> well, in addition to the original Schoolhouse Rock series that covered math, grammar, uh, America, <laughs> <laughs> and science, ABC commissioned a fifth series in 1983 with recurring characters named Scooter Computer and Mr. Chips. And this was about computer stuff. Um, Oddly, Scooter Computer is the kid and Mr. Chips is the computer. Mm -hmm. So that's just all weird with the names. This series was created with the belief that children were afraid of computers. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And that this would help make children want to use computers. Yeah. Hmm. Did they not pay attention to video games? Right. Uh, The songs cover what a computer can do, software, hardware, and data processing. Wow. I didn't get a chance to watch these, but I'm kind of curious um, how they explain some of those things. Because some of those are kind of complicated. Uh, the 90s saw the addition of Money Rock, which mm. is sort of self-explanatory, and Environment Rock aired in 2009. Schoolhouse Rock has also taken many forms over the years. Multiplication Rock was released as an album that received a Grammy nomination in 1974. Hmm. Both My Hero Zero and Three is a Magic Number were shortened for television, but their full lyrics can be heard on the album. (laughs) So go get those, you know, little nuggets of information, probably on YouTube. In 1987, Golden Book Video released Schoolhouse Rock on tape. The tape added segments, segment introductions by Cloris Leachman. 
I don't know, <laughs> uh, who sang to a group of children during these little segues and introductions to songs. Was, was Red Skelton not available? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an interesting choice. Also, if I had a nickel for every time we mentioned Cloris Leachman on this show... I would have two nickels, but it's more than I yeah, thought. He's everywhere. Because <laughs> we also talked about her when we talked about Est. That's right. Which yeah. was a self-help movement mm-hmm. during which, the 70s and 80s. Listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode. It's you, a trip. It, oh, boy. It's really interesting. <laughs> um, but she was in that episode, too. The makers of Schoolhouse Rock were not big fans. Yoey said... She's just hideous. She is the antithesis of what we wanted to do. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> I mean, I think it's an odd choice, but I'm not like Cloris Leachman is the opposite of everything I believe yeah. in. What? I think we could have said that a little nicer. Uh, and Doro, who did the original music for Schoolhouse Rock, said the quality is poor and there is also some new inappropriate and inferior material not written by me. Hmm. Oh, I feel a little bit of smugness there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feels like it's starting to fall apart. Maybe. Additionally, Schoolhouse Rock Live, which is what it sounds like, it's a live performance of Schoolhouse Rock songs, began in 1993 in Chicago. A shortened road show traveled to schools around the country for a while, and as far as I can tell, it ran in Chicago until 1997. Uh, now, if you Google it, you can find that it is available for theater groups anywhere to license and perform. And I'm sure that they do, because Schoolhouse Rock seems like it is immortal. It's just going to oh, yeah. go on forever. After Schoolhouse Rock viewers grew up, Doro reported that he frequently got requests for Schoolhouse Rock songs at his regular jazz gigs. <laughs> <laughs> like, play three is a yeah, magic number. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Get a mosh pit going. Uh, Michael Eisner, who we mentioned earlier, uh, who originally greenlit Schoolhouse Rock and then went on to work for NBC, CBS, and Paramount Pictures before becoming CEO of Disney, says that people in Gen X talk to him about Schoolhouse Rock more than any other show or movie he had a hand in. Oh, wow. And he worked at all those places. Yeah. Yeah. So... As the parent company of ABC, Disney owns Schoolhouse Rock, and if you want to go back and watch it, you can find everything except environmental rock on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus is also home to a 50th anniversary special because, if you recall, uh, Schoolhouse Rock came out in 1973, so this year's the 50th anniversary. Um, the 50th anniversary special on Disney+, Plus uh, originally aired earlier this year. You can still stream it. It is hosted by Ryan Seacrest, features the Black Eyed Peas, Cal Penn, and Shaquille O'Neal. So it's an, still an odd combination. Uh, it is. still better than Cloris Leachman. I'll give you that. I think that every time Schoolhouse Rock brings in a personality, they just mad lib it. Oh, yeah. People just write down random performers. Next, on Jerry Lewis. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it makes no sense at all. As is our custom, I'm going to share a few more bits of information about our topic, but I'm going to do it in true or false format. Perfect. So I will say something about Schoolhouse Rock, and I want you to tell me whether you think it is true or false. The government trains employees with Schoolhouse Rock. Yes. True. I want that to be true. True. Or at uh, least at one time they did. Uh, government and lobbyist groups in the past have requested tapes of I'm Just a Bill to uh, to use for training their staff. Wow. Same thing we used to train second graders. <laughs> 
Law schools have used Schoolhouse Rock to train their students. Unfortunately, I'm going to say probably yes. Yes. Not that I know. Uh, Okay. Medical schools train their students with Schoolhouse Rock. Please no. No. Okay, this is scary because it's true. Uh, The University of Michigan Medical School and Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons have both reached out to Schoolhouse Rock creators in the past requesting copies of telegraph line for use in teaching first-year med students about the nervous system oh okay okay original copies of all schoolhouse rock videos can be found in the smithsonian true yes false oh original animation cells ended up in the trash (laughs) many of the musical arrangements were lost and the original 24 track recording tapes were stored in a connecticut barn oh okay the song about verbs almost lacked action. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. That's, yes. That's funny. Yes. True. The song was called, uh, well, it ended up being verb, that's what's happening. But it was almost a song called A World Without Verbs. Oh. Um, it wasn't received very well to the people they shared it with, so they scrapped it entirely and wrote a whole new song. Hmm. Creators used their children as vocal talent. True. Yes. Yes. For the song Interjections, the little girl at the end of the song who says, darn, that's the end, was Tom Yoey's daughter. Hmm. Bob Doro's daughter and her friend sang on the song The Four-Legged Zoo. Radford Stone's son and daughter, as well as Tom Yoey's daughter, voice characters in Fireworks. And Jack Sheldon's son is the voice of the boy in I'm Just a Bill. The creators of Schoolhouse Rock have been sued for stealing someone else's intellectual property. Yes. Yes. False. Oh. Schoolhouse Rock censored itself for fear of government retaliation. Yes. 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 The song Three Three Ring Government, which is about the U.S. government system of checks and balances, was originally not aired because there was concern that comparing the three branches of government to a circus might offend politicians. (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) Paul Newman inspired a Schoolhouse Rock video. Yes. 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 The part with the bicycle at the end of Telegraph Line was inspired by Paul Newman's bicycle riding in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Schoolhouse Rock was not the original name of the series. Mm. True. 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 It was originally called Scholastic Rock, but they changed they changed the name after being contacted by Scholastic Incorporated. I can see that, yeah. A band once at the top of the pop charts recorded a Schoolhouse Rock tune. Yes. Yes. True. The Tokens, the band that brought us The Lion Sleeps Tonight, are the performers for the Schoolhouse Rock video a victim of gravity. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol contributed to Schoolhouse Rock's animation. No. 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 Some Schoolhouse Rock has not aged well. Yes. You think? <laughs> this is true. Naughty Number 9 features a smoking protagonist, and that was considered unsuitable for children even at the time, but it got a pass because they said the smoking showed just how naughty Number 9 is. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, this is probably the worst of the two. The American History video, Elbow Room, um, it's about westward expansion. The song celebrates the idea of manifest destiny. (laughs) Oh, that we are just destined by God mm-hmm. to uh, take over the entire continent, which includes subjugating a lot of people who were there first. 
Tom Yowie and George Newell have since admitted that the use of Manifest Destiny in Elbow Room has not aged well. Yes. Uh, and for some reason, I I have no explanation that I could find for this, but for some reason in the shot heard around the world, at the end there's a drawing of the United States that's filled with people, and it includes a naked woman standing in California. <laughs> okay. That's, that was a choice. <laughs> I know. I read about this and I thought, surely not. And if it was, they have censored it since then. Mm-hmm. No, pull it up on Disney Plus. It's still there. Oh my god! I don't understand. <laughs> Definitely a choice. I respect people that stand by their artwork. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, true or false? A Schoolhouse Rock vocalist reprised his role for a Simpsons parody. Yes. yes. True. When the Simpsons parodied "I'm Just a Bill." Original vocalist Jack Sheldon voiced their song about a constitutional amendment that would ban flag burning. I wonder if he like did it for free. Like he was like, this is too awesome. Yeah, I'll do this. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Um, but he sang, I have to share these lyrics. These aren't even all of the lyrics, but this is a part of it. There's a lot of flag burners who have got too much freedom. I want to make it legal for policemen to beat them. Oh, wow. <laughs> but there's more to the song you should pull it up and listen i believe that simpsons is also on disney plus yes so disney the home of all of this stuff Mm -hmm. uh a young keanu reeves voiced a character in a schoolhouse rock video yes say no false oh a schoolhouse rock cover album exists yes yes true in 1996, Atlantic Records released an album of schoolhouse rock covers, including a rendition of Three is a Magic Number by Blind Melon and Verb That's What's Happening by Moby. Mm-hmm. So I have not heard that. I'm, I'm surprised they might be Giants hasn't done a bunch of schoolhouse rock songs. Like They uh-huh. seem like the type of group to do yeah, that. Yeah, they do. I've heard the Blind Melon one. It's, it's a, good. It's a, it's a jam. It's a bop, yes, yeah. I'll, I'll listen to that anytime. If you love Schoolhouse Rock and you want to learn more or you want to read up more about uh, Saturday morning cartoons in general, um, I recommend one of the sources I used. Um, I think I had two main sources for this episode. One is a book written by the creators of Schoolhouse Rock, and it's pretty cool. Um, But there's also a book just about Saturday morning cartoons in general. Uh, And I want to share it because it is so bizarre. So if you want to learn about Saturday morning cartoons... And you like bizarre, weird humor? I think you would really dig this book. Um, it's called Saturday Morning Fever by Timothy and Kevin Burke. Uh, an endorsement quote, on, just to give you an idea about this book, there's an endorsement quote on the back cover from Quentin Tarantino. Oh, wow. Um, that says, it does for Saturday morning cartoons what the psychotronic guy did for exploitation films. <laughs> Okay. Uh, The book has a chapter titled Willing Slaves of the Cathode God. (laughs) Interesting. It also has a lot of little sidebars, uh, one of which is called Cartoon Animals We'd Like to See, which includes Crunchy the Komodo Dragon. Crunchy's little buddy Gila Monster keeps telling him, Mr. Ranger wouldn't like it if you took a bite out of a tourist and waited for him to die from sepsis before eating his carcass. (laughs) It's a great voice for that. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So if you want more stuff like this, I really do suggest that. And that is in our description. And happy viewing and reading. (laughs) 
That's all for us today. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram by searching for hypnotic.history or by clicking the link in the episode description.